to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hello and welcome to episode 16. We have a great episode for you today, and I can't wait to share it with you. But before we get to that, I want to say thank you to everyone who has gone over to buy me a coffee to show your support for the show. It means so much. If you would like to show your support for the show by making a one-time donation right around the price of a cup of coffee, head to the link in the show notes. We appreciate every penny, and we believe God blesses you when you support the work of His kingdom. And as always, your interactions and shares on social media, as well as you talking about the show and sharing it with your friends, means the world. Today on the show, I'm chatting with Pastor Gary Dornbach, the lead pastor of Refuge Church in Liberty, Missouri. Pastor Dornbach has written a fantastic book, I Think I'm Called, What Do I Do Now? A practical, easy to read guide on the steps to take if you feel God calling you to do something for Him. I invited him on the show to pick his brain about the topic of calling, what it really means, how do I know if I'm experiencing it, and why it sometimes feels like a vague, unexplainable phenomenon when we talk about it in apostolic circles. This conversation is full of great wisdom, practical tips, and deep soul encouragement for every child of God. Because as we discuss, none of us has been saved to sit. We have been called to go and make disciples. I know this is going to be a blessing to you. So without further ado, here's my chat with Pastor Gary Dornbach. Pastor Gary Dornbach, welcome to Good Question. Well, thank you. I'm excited to have you on the show today. I've been reading your book. I think I'm called What Do I Do Now? And I have also heard really great things about you and your church and your ministry from some good friends of mine, Allie and Jamel Jones, who were our guests back on episode three. And so I'm excited to talk to you today about calling and hearing the call of God and what do we do with that calling. But before we get into that, I would like to just have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, my name is Gary. I uh, was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, Oak Creek to be specific, pretty decent sized church, Parkway Apostolic Church in Oak Creek. Go Packers, by the way. Go Pack Go. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I uh, I got serious about God. I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven and was baptized and then hit my teenage years. And oh, like a lot of teenagers, I think we think the world revolves around us, centers on us sometimes. And I, I, at least that was my experience. I, I got a little into myself and didn't really want to uh, pursue God like I should and um, was just more focused on sports and relationships. And uh, then I joined a um, choir in high school, I went to a, the religious church school there. And honestly, I only joined choir to talk to girls and to get out of class. <laughs> that was the only reason I joined. And so I went on, we had to go on a choir tour at the end of the year, which I was 
pumped about just to hang out with everybody. But then at the end, we were in a little church in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and we were singing in all of a sudden, the power of God just swept into that sanctuary, and I was on the back row, and every every person in that choir was raising their hands up, and so I thought, man, I better fit in, so I kind of threw up one hand, you know, kind of a cool way to do it, not really two hands, just, just the one hand. <laughs> I felt the power and presence of God so strong in my life, and I just began to weep and cry, and before I knew it, I kind of opened an eye, and the whole choir was around the, the backslidden kid, you know, that was praying for me, <laughs> so... <laughs> That night, everybody went down for food at that church. They were serving food, and we and I sat in the back of the sanctuary, and just was talking to God, like, "All right, what what now?" You know, I, I felt God just really being like, "It's time to get your priorities straight." Like, if I God, He spoke so clearly, and that was really all He said. It's time to get your priorities straight. And uh, fast forward to the very first message I preached, the last chapel service of my junior year, I preached a message and entitled it priorities. Mm. That was the first message I preached because that's what God spoke to me. And so from that point forward, it was kind of like, all right, get my priorities straight. And then I went on this journey of now what? what, what's the next step? And that's why I was pretty passionate about writing this book, just because I know that that's that initial call, that initial, I got serious about God. I had an experience with God and to ministry. It can be quite the journey. Yes, for sure. So how old were you at that point? So I was, uh, let's see, so at that moment, that would have been probably 17. Yeah, because it was uh, my junior year of school, got serious about him on the tour. And then I came back to school, there was still some school going on. And I went to the principal who I had been in the principal's office a couple of times, but not to talk about my call. It was more his call to me. <laughs> and I came to the principal and I was like, hey, this is what happened. I feel like God's landed on my heart to preach. And uh, my principal, you know, kind of looked at me and he was like, well, we already have one of our teachers scheduled to preach the last chapel service of the year. I was like, great. Okay, good. At least I tried. And uh, he's like, but let me ask him, because I think we'd rather have you get up there and and uh, thank God for that, because I would have went through a summer and like, you know, it, it, just my principal give me that chance, believing in me, that other teacher stepping out of that slot to let me speak. And uh, so it was a pretty, pretty incredible moment. Uh, and I still thank that that principal, his name's Robert Kurz, for believing in me. So, yeah, we all need somebody who will step up and confirm what we feel like God is is saying to us. Mm-hmm. I guess. So my first question about that experience, and I think this is a question a lot of people have, when you have that experience, what about it indicated to you that it was a call to preach rather than just a call to a relationship with God? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, so I think there's a couple of different parts to that. Number one is I was raised in a godly home. My dad was the evangelism director of our church. So he was, he wrote Bible studies, saw probably more than four, 450 people come into the church as a result of him and my mom teaching Bible studies. So I was raised in a home where I saw people's lives changed all the time. In being raised at home, my dad would say, oh, Gary, when are you going to start teaching Bible studies? And I'm like, Dad, I'm, I'm nine. I'm not going to teach about <laughs> Dad, I'm 11. I'm not going to teach Bible study. You know, like, but just from a young age, like I would make some poor decisions. And I say poor decisions. I, I wasn't like 
off the deep end or something. Just I just wasn't serious about God as I entered teenage years. Um, but I would have like teachers. Oh, Gary, you're special. Gary, there's a calling upon your life. I'm telling you, you're going to do great things. And like just that constant, that's so valuable because growing up, even when I was tempted to make really foolish decisions. Like in the back of my mind, there was still the voices of so many Sunday school teachers and teachers and principals and pastors and youth leaders and Sunday school teachers that spoke life into me, into ministry, like you're special, you're called, you're, you know, and, and so you start, you know, you just start to believe it like, okay, God will, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I can't mess up too bad if, if this is true. And then when that moment came, I just felt God just laying something in my heart that I want to see people grow. I want to make disciples. I want to be a part of someone's life as they go from point A to point B to point C. I want to, I want to walk a journey with people. <clears throat> and that's why for me, that pastoral ministry was almost instantaneous after that initial call, because I just felt like I want to through the ups, through the downs, because, you know, preaching as a pastor, preaching is like a tenth of what I do. Right. And so if you're saying, well, I just feel called to preach, I get concerned about that because that is crucial and we're saved by preaching. But that is not the only thing that God calls us to, not in pastoral ministry, evangelism ministry, missionary, anything. Right. And so for me, it was I want to see I want I, I just felt that burden immediately of I love people. I want to see people grow. I care about people. I want to invest in people. I want to walk through highs and lows with people. And so I felt that, uh, like that pastoral ministry in my heart. I also grew up in an apostolic home and my dad was called into the ministry whenever I was a young child. So I was probably maybe second grade when my dad went and got his first minister's license. Uh And so similarly, you know, you grow up my my parents were also big Bible study teachers. Um, I've I've heard my dad teach uh, Search for Truth Bible study more times than I can count, and so I have the similar experience to you. And I think a lot of times, even growing up in that environment, the idea of being called by God is such a like a vague and special experience that whenever you think that it's happening, you're not quite sure. And so you mentioned that people would say this to you as a child. And so now as an adult, I wonder, is it that some people are called and the adults in your life could see that? Or is it that we should be instilling in all of our children? Like, should I be instilling in my own children now? God has a call for you in that God has something for you to do. Is there a difference in being specifically called and being a child of God that we should all, we are all on the same mission? So I think we are all called, every single person. God does not put his spirit inside of someone just to get them to heaven. Hmm. That he has empowered. You look at biblically, he says, the very first mention, I'm giving you power to do what? To be a witness. He says, go ye therefore and teach the world. He says, go make disciples. So I think that at the very least, every single believer is called to be a disciple maker, that we are called to reach a world, to invest ourselves into people and to to minister to people. So so I, I mentioned my dad. My dad never held a license. 
to this that like he he died in January of 2011, and he never held a license, but he ministered and reached so many people. And then as I got older and started preaching, he would tease people. People would call him, "Oh, if you want a preacher, talk to my son. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just next heroin addict." And like my dad, he carried his mug shots in his Bible till the day he died. He showed it to everybody. He he just shared his story. And so if you're listening and you and you have a testimony, you have a testimony, practice it, write it down, learn how to share your story, whatever that story is, because every one of us have a story, either what God brought us through, what he kept us from. Everybody's got a story. So learn to practice that story, to share that story, to make your story interesting, because we're saved by well, the word people can be saved by the word of our testimony. Yes. And so, so yeah, so I am of the belief that like my dad, he, he just taught Bible studies, robots. That, that was his thing. That was to me, that's an a, almost a five fold ministry and evangelist. Sometimes we think an evangelist is just that person that, like stands in a pulpit and travels from church to church. I, I look at that as no, that's a gatherer. And so it's not just a pulpit ministry. So, yeah, so I just, to me, I look at that and that was, that was what I was raised in. And now I'm blessed. Uh, my wife, Jacqueline, my three kids, which I could talk on and on about them, met my wife at CLC, Christian Life College in Stockton, California. We got married. We've been married now almost 14 years. And we have three kids. And my daughter's 12. My son, my, one son is nine. And my next son's about to be six. Mm. And already, to piggyback off of what you just said in your question about kids and what do we tell them? I'm already at nighttime when I'm praying about my praying with my kids, asking them about the best part of their day and, and what they learned in Sunday school. And we read Bible stories. I will say things to them and I'll say, wow, you are going to be mightily used of God. You are called by God to do great things. God's going to use your life. You just be sensitive to God. Keep praying. You keep being a worshiper. God's going to do great. I'm telling you, God's going to use you to heal lives and restore marriages. And God's going to do it. And I just, I speak things over them. But I also say to them things like, now, God's going to call, if God calls you to be in music, if God calls you to be in Sunday school, if God calls you to pastor, preach, be a missionary, no matter what it is, dad is not forcing you or pushing you into a mm. specific ministry. Because a lot of times people, they'll say, oh, you can, someday you'll take this church for your dad. Someday you'll do. I don't want my kids to live in that. If God calls them to be a pastor, that is wonderful. If God does not call them to be a pastor, I don't want them to pastor. And so yeah. I just want them to be whatever God calls them to be. So I tell them, I said, as long as you are in ministry somewhere doing something for the kingdom, making disciples, investing in lives, that is all that matters. But we're all called to be a part of that process. I really love that because, like I said, sometimes I feel like as a kid, it felt like ministry was a separate thing. And I don't think that it was maybe ever intended to be this way. But you got the impression sometimes that it was a little bit of a click that you either were or you weren't. And if you weren't in that, you know, group, then you were just a normal person. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think that I've definitely seen and heard a shift away from that as I've gotten older. But it's mm -hmm. always encouraging just to hear it said very clearly and openly that, yes, we're all called to make disciples. And none of us were saved to just sit on the pew and be a passive member of the congregation. We're all supposed to be doing something to further the work of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So then how would you advise, say, a young person who does 
feel that and has been taught that and believes that, how would you advise them to narrow down what God is calling them to do? And do you believe that God calls people to a specific thing for their whole life? Can it be seasonal? What are your thoughts on that? So a couple different things there. Um, I do think that we all should be we're, we're the church. So we're the church. We don't, we, we don't just go to a church. People think like church, what's church? Church is this physical structure that we attend and we go there one to two times a week or three times a week. There is definitely a structure. We see that people gathered daily house to house and in public places. And we see that in scripture, but we're the church. And so my opinion and based on scripture is that we should be involved in things, both in the local church and outside the local church, meaning I am going to be a disciple maker, someone who is teaching Bible studies, inviting people, attending small groups, uh, having crucial conversations at the workplace, and that I'm investing in people, that when people come to work, they know they go through something, they can come and talk to me because we've had those conversations and they know that that I'm a person who loves them, and would pray for them. And I think we should all be involved in that. And then I also think that the local church, that we should be serving in some form of ministry. For me, what that looked like is that when I got serious about God, I served in every single form of ministry that I could possibly serve in. At local church that where I grew up, I served, uh, I, I learned sound, I cleaned the church, I did Sunday school for little kids, I did youth ministry, I ended up being in charge of junior high ministry for a while with my wife and I, and she took care of youth praise team, I sang on the praise team, I was on the speaking rotation, I'm just ushering when the grounds were, when it was time for a work day, I was there, like, so that's not to somehow try to elevate myself, but just where I I got to the point where I'm just going to serve in any capacity that I can. Mm. And that's been a beautiful thing because now pastoring, I'm not ever asking anyone in this church to do something that I've never done. Mm. I've served in every capacity that you can possibly serve in in a church. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was more about the servant's heart than it was about like, well, I'm not doing that. That's not my ministry. Mm. That's not my ministry. Like I sang in choirs. I did everything. And it was just because I said, hey, you'd be good here. Could you be used here? Now I understand we should all have boundaries and not just fill up our schedule to where we give, give, give. And there's nothing. There's no time for sale, for rest or, or, you know, personal Sabbath or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying that if we find a role, we should serve it to the best of our ability as unto the Lord with all of our heart. And just be willing to serve in any capacity. If you're listening, you're saying, why? I don't I feel like I'm called, but I don't know what to do. You know what's great is go to your pastor and say, I feel called by God. Where do you need help? What can I do to serve? That alone speaks to someone going, wow, okay. Because if somebody comes up, I feel called to preach. Can, can I have the pulpit? <laughs> well, um, well not, let's not start there. But if you're saying, I want to, I feel called by God, where can I serve? What, what do you suggest? And just do it as wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. And you'll start to be asked to do different things. Because when you do something with excellence, people see that, whether it's pastor, whether it's a leadership in the church, whether it's adults, elders, whoever, people are going to be able to say, hey, can you help out here? Can you do this? And when you do it all with excellence, that I think that's where the calling starts to develop, where people are seeing 
okay, hey, that person might feel called in that area, but they're willing to serve in all of these various capacities. I really like that because I agree that, yes, when you take on any role and you do it to the best of your ability, like you said, with excellence, what is that phrase? Like (laughs) if you have something that needs to be done, like find the busiest person (laughs) and Mm -hmm. ask them to Mm -hmm. do it because, because they're already in that groove and they're going to get it done. Yeah. I think if we're busy about the work of the Lord, even if it's not specifically what we feel is our specific calling, those doors will open for us just because we've made ourselves available. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And I think it's great too, because all those different jobs in a church If, say, a person, the Lord calls them to plant a church, it's very possible in the beginning that you're going to have all those jobs at the same time. So (laughs) (laughs) knowing how to do them all is a really good idea. Yeah. And as you're doing them, it's so key to remember. You're not, oh, I joined cleaning. I'm now the cleaning ministry. So I have me doing this. Or I joined Sunday school and Sunday school directors doing this. And everything that you do, you're doing it not for the pastor, not for the children's ministry director, not for the choir director, not for the... Whatever you're, you're doing it as unto the Lord, mm-hmm. and so everything that we do, if it's inside the church walls, outside the church walls, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. And no matter what it is, I do not care. No matter what, there are going to be days you don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like cleaning. You don't feel like teaching Sunday school. There's going to be days you don't feel like pastoring. There's going to be days you don't feel like coming home from work and grabbing a Bible study chart. And, heading off to someone's house and, you know, having cats crawl on your shoulders while you're sitting <laughs> in somebody's chair. And, you know what I mean? Like there's going to be times you don't feel like doing that, but in those moments you're going, I'm not, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. I'm investing in people. I want to be a part of impacting a life. And even when you're, oh, I'm just cleaning. I just work in nursery. No, no, no. You're doing something in nursery that allows that person, that parent to sit in the presence of the Lord and worship and respond in an altar call without having to worry about their child crying or needing to be fed. You're investing in that child and in that family so that that parent can have an experience with Jesus Christ. So it's always important to remember the why. Sometimes we say, well, what well, what do we need? Well, you need to serve a nursery. We need help here and we need help there. And as leaders, we have to answer the why for that person. But why is that important? Because if we can answer that, if you can understand the why of what you're doing, it's even more powerful. Yeah. Well, and it's about making ministry your identity and not your job. Mm -hmm. So you're living it out wherever you are, whether you're, like you said, whether you're in the church building or whether you're in your job, it's reminding me of the chapter in your book that's about integrity, Mm -hmm. which is it's who you are all the time, whether anyone's watching you or not. Mm-hmm. And if we can make it about that and about it just being who we are, then it doesn't really matter what the title is or what the job is. If we're doing it for the Lord and not for people, then we're going to find fulfillment and joy in it, whether it's a lot of fun in the moment or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned before that you talk to your kids about that they have a purpose and a call from God to do something. But you said, if my son is not called to pastor, I don't want him to pastor. (laughs) And I think that that's really wise. Is it possible for someone to feel like they're called to a certain area and be wrong? And what kind of pitfalls might they stumble into if they go down that path? So 
I don't know if it's ever wrong to be serving. So if I'm serving in children's ministry, well, what if I'm wrong and I'm not meant to serve here? Well, I really don't think that's detrimental. You're investing in the life of children and making an impact. And so I think we should always be willing to serve. When somebody says, well, I'm just not sure what I'm called to do, and they sit on views and don't do anything, <laughs> well, that's not going to be a really great way to figure out what you're called to do. Like, mm-hmm. get in there, get roll the sleeves up, get your hands dirty, let's get going, you know, get involved somewhere. So I think that probably your question is more is like my lifelong calling. Like, what am I, what am I going to do for the rest of my life type of a thing? Mm-hmm. And that is, I think God starts to clarify that as we're serving and we're, we're in, in just ministering and doing whatever we can do. At some point, you're going to find something or some things that you're like, man, I love this. I just recently had a conversation with someone in our church who's doing a lot of different things. And they were like, hey, I feel like I need to take a step back because I I always encourage our church, please feel free to tell me no. Mm. Because I think sometimes like we have great people at our church and just like you probably have great people at your church that if a pastor says, hey, will you serve in this capacity? People will be like, Sure. You know, you asked me to, so I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And I say, no, please pray about it because I don't want people just taking on another ministry where it's just burning them out. And they're going, oh, that's right. I got to go teach kids again tonight. Oh, that's right. I got to go lead a small group tonight. Goodness. Uh, you know, like, I don't want that. Like, I want you where you feel fulfilled and passionate. And so I want people to feel free to say, pastor, that's not my calling. I just, I try. It's not something I'm interested in great. Then that's fine. I I want, I want people to know where to serve. And so this person that came to me was like, Hey, I'm serving these five ministries. What should I do? And I was like, where do you feel? And they were like, well, I hate to step out of sound. They don't have many people that run the sound right now. And I said, no, that'll be up to them to figure that out. I appreciate your attitude, but what do you feel fulfilled doing when you minister in that capacity? What are the one, two, three things that you say, man, I love this. I feel fulfilled in this. I, I feel energized when I get done doing this. That's what you want to kind of key in on. Like, okay, I feel energized when I teach kids. I have somebody in our church that they say, I feel energized literally when I clean the building. Because for me, this is God's house. I feel like it's my way to serve. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And thank God for people like that, you mm-hmm. know, because that's why it's the body of Christ. We're all different capacity, different personalities. I wouldn't want to be in a church with all of people just like me. And so my wife couldn't handle it either. So, <laughs> so, so I think that's the thing is we're going, okay, I want to serve. I want to find where I'm passionate. And when you say wrong, I think there's a way to measure when you're looking at a life calling, when you're looking at like, okay, maybe some of you might be feeling full-time ministry or a life calling. This is not just a ministry and I work another job. Like this is what I want to do with my life. Now, where do I go? There are things that we have. Number one, it's the spirit of God. There's going to be a quickening. There's going to be a guidance. There's going to be something. Maybe you're one of those people that you've seen an angel or heard the voice of God. That's awesome. I haven't. I've never heard. I Sometimes I wish. I'm like, God, here's my cell phone number. Just text me what to do next. Um, I'm there a little bit right now with our church and where we're at. I'm like, you know, you could call me. Just shoot me a text. Let me know. I'll, I'll do it. And he doesn't sometimes. And, and if he speaks directly and you hear his voice, audible voice, that's awesome. I have it. So I go, okay, there's a, there's a quickening in the spirit. There's something in your spirit where God, you're feeling like now's the time to move or that's the direction to go. But then he gives us other things because sometimes our spirit 
we start to hear things just because we want to hear them. Hmm. So then the next thing we do is his word. Pastoring and being a youth leader for many years, I have heard some crazy stuff. People that come up and, well, God just gave me this person in my life and I believe she's from God or he's from God. And I'm like, okay, the Bible says this. So there's no way that God sent that person in your life for this purpose in this romantic endeavor when God says this in his scripture. (laughs) So that's not the will of God because we clearly see his word says otherwise. So we have his word when we start to feel a door open up for something or a calling that we can look at his word and say, okay, what does his word say about this? And then the last thing is spiritual authority that I can go. I always, the minute, the moment that I felt called, I immediately went to my pastor and I'll tell you my pastor, I probably drove him crazy because I would go in there every couple months. Hey, so what? And there were times I was frustrated. I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I'm missing it. What should I be doing next? And he would give me guidance and he would say, sit tight. Well, what, why don't you do this? And so, God gives our spiritual authority guidance and direction for us. So I think we have our own, the spirit of God in our lives and the quickening and the leading of his spirit. We have the word and then we have spiritual authority. And between those, all those things, it helps provide an umbrella of protection so we don't miss it. We don't miss what God is wanting to do and the timing of what he's trying to do. I love that. It's so reassuring to know that even if we did, quote unquote, miss it, that God is able to to fulfill his purpose despite us in some cases. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't know, I just, I find that so reassuring. I've told my husband at different points when we've been trying to make decisions about our life or our family, and it feels, it feels so huge, you know, and it feels like, well, what if we go the wrong way or what if we do the wrong thing? And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've just come to the conclusion that as long as we're seeking God, and our motivations are in line with his word and his spirit. And like you said, under under spiritual authority, even if we do <laughs> make a mistake, like God's able to take that and use it for good anyway. And so it, it all goes back, like you said, to having that heart of of just wanting to serve and wanting to do what God called you to do. Well, one of my favorite statements in the Bible, we just fly over it. But I think it was in Jonah where it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Mm. and I'm like, thank God for second chances. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like you can totally miss it. You can totally, I messed up. I missed it. But he's a God of grace. So it's not, and that's where sometimes too, where you can get into debates with people. Everybody has a different opinion on this. So all this is, is my opinion, but I am not of the opinion that there's one, you just have to find the needle in the haystack. There's one perfect person to be your spouse and one perfect ministry and one perfect city at one perfect church. And that uh, to me, God's so much bigger than that. Like you look at when Abraham, he, it comes time for him and Lot to separate. And Abraham's like, yeah, you, you choose. I'll go the other direction. Mm. He didn't seem stressed about like, God, what, what is your purpose for my life? What if I miss it? What if I what if I just mess it all up? He's like, no, no, no. Me and God, we have a relationship. We speak daily. And I am walking in covenant with my God and my friend. He's the only one that God says, Abraham, my friend. So only one called the friend of God in the Bible by name. And he's like, I'm his friend. He's my friend. We walk, we talk, and I'm in covenant. So wherever I go, I know I'm going to be blessed. Hmm. I know that God is going to do great things in my life. I'm not stressed with what city that's going to happen in, what the landscape looks like. 
I know I'm called by God and I'm always going to be called and I'm going to serve and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be obedient. And I know God's going to take care of it. What faith and what confidence, like that confidence came because of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Which brings me again to another chapter in your book, which is about consecration. That consecration brings the relationship that leads to Mm -hmm. the confidence. Would you say that's true? Yeah. Yeah. Because... You know, and that's where I think sometimes I was just talking to our church about this, that, you know, we want to look at it like, well, I'm just God hasn't led me into that or God hasn't given me that conviction. And oh, God, you know, I'm just waiting for God to really make it clear what I should do. And sometimes we're kind of passive and we just almost blame God. Like, well, God didn't open the door. God didn't do this. God, God needs to do this. Mm. <laughs> it reminds me of like when somebody's out of work. And we've had people before I go, okay, well, where have you applied? Well, I haven't really applied yet. I'm waiting for God to open the door. And I'm okay. Well, who have you submitted your resume to? Well, I'm just, brother, I'm just waiting for God to open the door. Well, do you have a resume? Have you gotten (laughs) resume together? No, I haven't. God's God's big. We serve a big God, pastor. And I'm like, okay, we do serve a big God who also gave you some common sense. (laughs) Like get a resume together. Go apply for jobs and at least give God a chance to be God. <laughs> so, so when we talk about even consecration, notice in Scripture sometimes he said, consecrate or sanctify yourselves. Mm. Huh, that's interesting. That puts a little bit of responsibility on me that, all right, God, maybe I don't even fully understand all the lifestyle commitments and consecration, but if it's in your Scripture, I'm not talking about man-made or human-made things. I'm talking about scriptural things that maybe I don't even fully understand or see it, but it's in the Bible. So I'm going to sanctify or consecrate myself. They, they, this happened old in the New Testament. Let's get rid of things. Let's set certain things aside. And because, I mean, that's why scripture says, lay aside every weight and sin that, that does so easily beset us. That doesn't just say sin. It doesn't just say get rid of sin in your life. I think we're all trying to do that. But it says the weights and the sin. So there's obviously a difference there. There's certain things that are sinful, and then there's certain things that maybe they're not sinful, but it's just something that's just weighing me down in this journey. And so I'm trying to walk with Christ, and I'm carrying all these extra weights in my bag, and I need to get rid of some of this stuff and sanctify or consecrate myself to say, God, I'm called, I'm on this journey, and I just got to get rid of all the extra baggage that maybe is weighing me down from being the man or the woman that you want me to be. Yeah. And like you say, it's active on our part. It's not passive. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you start looking at scripture with that lens, there are so many places where we're instructed to do it. And we think like, oh, God is so big and so amazing. And he can just snap his fingers. And in a moment, you know, I can have all this spiritual maturity. But I mean, one of my favorite passages in recent years has been uh, in Second Peter 1, where he he says, you know, you add to your faith virtue uh-huh. and you add to your virtue knowledge. Like this is something you have to go pursue. Yep. And if whether it's calling, whether it's spiritual growth, whether it's, you know, ministry or a life path or whatever. Yeah. We have to have an active role in in going after it yep. and, and knock on a door so that God can open it or not, you know. Yeah. But if you never knock, how will you know? <laughs> exactly. It says ask, seek, knock, pursue yeah. holiness. 
Yeah. And so I think that, and that's where there can be arguments. Well, that's not holiness. Well, that's just, that's just you doing it. Like, well, no, but there's certain things that I can say I'm consecrating. When I got serious with God, I'm a very open person. So I don't mind sharing my story, sharing my struggles, but my parents didn't, my parents were strict. They had rules, but they're, of course, I was doing things that they didn't know about. And, um, I had CDs. I know I'm dating myself. Nobody uses <laughs> CDs anymore, but I had CDs. At least it wasn't an A track or something, but <laughs> I had CDs. And I remember going and I got serious about God. I came home and I, and again, he was like, you got to get your priorities straight. And so I was like, ah. Oh. So I looked at all these CDs and I had all these different secular musical artists and people that want to say, like, oh, why do you listen to that? Listen, our world. They hire and they put under music labels the very most talented, amazing musicians and singers. Mm -hmm. Like there's a ton of talent in the world. So let's not pretend like there's not talent and good music in in the secular realm of music. There's great music. But we have to say, all right, I'm consecrating myself. There's certain things I'm not going to fill my mind with these messages that directly contradict the word of God. And so I was like, well, I can sell these. And then I felt like, well, I'll just see what I'll do. I remember I was in, the, in my bedroom and I was like, I can't, I have to get rid of these now. If I'm going to set my priorities straight, there's certain things I have to do that start to make changes to eliminate the weights and the sins that can easily beset me. And I sat there and it began to crack every single one of the CDs that I had as a 17 year old. And it was so liberating because I was like, never again, am I going to listen to this type of music that sings about these messages? And then I said, you know what? I was watching movies and different things and different entertainment. And I was like, as a 17 year old, I was like, I will never watch another rated R movie in my life. And then I, was, uh, I went along and I, and, and everybody, you can make your own lines and your own decisions. I'm not, I'm not preaching. This is gospel. I'm saying this is my personal journey, my personal consecration. Then I, I journeyed a little more and I said, I will never watch another PG 13 movie in my life. And so in your journey, I can't get up and say, nobody watched another movie. But in your journey, you can personally, God's going to give you things that you have to follow that when he lays something on your heart, whatever that is, even if everyone else around you says, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Oh, that's not needed. You think that's a heaven or hell issue? No, don't listen to that. Say, okay, God's laying this on my heart. So I'm sanctifying, consecrating myself. I'm eliminating weights. It doesn't make me better than anybody else. I'm not saying it with arrogance and pride. It's just my heart. This is what God dealt with me on. Because in order to go to the level of calling that God's calling you personally, where you're at, you have to be willing to get rid of all of the things that can distract you, weigh you down, cause you to fall, get your attention off of where it needs to be. And so you go in these in, into this journey and now now you go and you know if there's any type of a streaming something or other i mean there's there's certain youtube videos even on kids youtube i'll tell my kids i don't want you watching that mm-hmm. you know because there's you get used to a, a certain level of commitment and consecration that if somebody would have told me to do all this the very moment that i got serious about god i'd be like whoa i ain't ready for all that yeah. but as you grow he starts to show you things that you say i'm setting certain things aside And he honors that. He blesses that. Well, and it's so much more meaningful when it's not dictated to you, but it comes out of your own desire to be closer to God and to listen Uh to his voice. Like it's a way that we learn how to listen to him when he speaks to us individually, maybe something that, that he's not saying to the people around us or that they're not responding to. 
but we say, you know, it, it gives us that choice to say, okay, am I going to listen? Am I going to practice following the voice of God? And I mm-hmm. think sometimes he puts those things in, in our minds, in our spirits, just to see kind of how serious are you? Like, how much do you really want to walk with me? How much do you really value this calling that I've placed on your life? Mm-hmm. Like you said, it doesn't stop whenever you're 17 or 18. Like that continues throughout your life. And, yeah. you know, growing up and becoming a parent, you realize <laughs> looking back how much your own parents had to make decisions. You know, I think back to things that my parents allowed us to do or didn't allow us to do in comparison to other kids in our church and in our school. And you think like they had a a plan and it all figured out. And I think sometimes now I look back and think like they were just doing the best they could to follow after God and lead us in the best way that they knew. And and I'm thankful for that. I really am. At the time, you know, you sometimes feel like it's restricting. It doesn't make sense. As you get older, you realize like how much love and care and, and protection there is in that. Yeah. In those decisions that get made for you until you're old enough to start following God and make them for yourself. Yeah. And then you become a parent and realize how hard it is. <laughs> yes. I adore my kids, but I, I wish there, I wish people say, well, the Bible is the manual and it is a manual for life, but it does not spell out everything to do with kids. No, so it does you, not. here you have these kids <laughs> and you're like, half the time you go to bed feeling like, yeah, I'm doing pretty well here. And the other half the time you're like, Oh God, thank you for your grace. I, I, I don't even, Oh Lord, please help my kids. Help, help me. <laughs> yes. Lord, please just wipe the memory of this day from their minds. <laughs> and, but thank God for his grace. You know? yes. Cause to me, I feel like the greatest blessing he has ever given me, the greatest amount of like trust is not that I get to pastor a church. That's awesome. And I'm thankful. But it is when he said, I'm going to give you three lives that you are going to teach, train, disciple, mentor, invest in, and show how to live life and make it to heaven. That was the greatest sign of wow, of responsibility and confidence that God's ever given me. I remember the night that my first daughter was born. We were in the hospital room and my husband was holding her. And I'm, you know, over here still recovering from a C-section and like, half in, half out of (laughs) awareness. Mm -hmm. And I just remember him looking at me and saying like, do you realize that like, this is a soul that will spend eternity somewhere and we get to shape. And I was just like, um, I can't think about that right now. (laughs) But that way, (laughs) (laughs) the weight of that responsibility, like comes down really quick. But you're right. It is such a blessing and a gift to know that God, God thinks enough of us to let us to let us have a hand in raising these little people yep. into who he wants them to be. Well, let's see. We have gotten way off of the of the list of questions that I <laughs> gave you, but I've enjoyed I'm enjoying this conversation so much. I think we've talked about this a little bit already, but if you have anything else to add about the biggest mistakes or missteps that you see people making after they feel like they've been called. I think they just want to go to zero to sixty. You know, like for me, I, I I was 17 and God opened and, you know, he started to impress things on me and I felt called and I felt called to be a pastor, shared that burden with my pastor. But me going into my pastor saying, I feel called to be a pastor. He didn't go, oh, man, we got to get you preaching this Sunday. Like mm-hmm. it, that, you know, and so you're to me, I, I was blessed to step into full time ministry at 28 years old, which was crazy to me. I didn't think that was 
going to happen, but God opened the door for that at a young age. And, um, but you look at that and, and even that I came into this church and I was like, wow, God's going to take this church from, we're going to go. We had 18 people. We're going to hit a thousand within about three years. You know I mean? Like, <laughs> so no matter what, you just kind of walk to the next step and you, you want to, you never want to lose the faith that God can do it. But yet you also want to have the patience that, Hey, there's a process and I'm not going to, I'm not going to despise the process. You know, I mean, David is anointed in that field as a shepherd, but he did not leave the field and walk to the kingdom and sit on the throne. There was like a major journey there with a whole lot of exciting things and then a whole lot of terrible, challenging things. Mm. And that's why, I mean, even anointing oil, the oil itself is made through a process of crushing, grinding, and breaking. And we say, oh, God, I want to be anointed. I want to be anointed by you. I want to be used by you. But then when he uses us, we say, well, I just feel used on the church. Well, <laughs> he's just asked to be used. And yeah, but it's tough. And there's a breaking and a crushing and grinding. And that's not the fun part, but it's a necessary part. You know, that, that anointing oil, it's made through that, that process. And so we can't despise the process. Don't rush it. Don't get frustrated. Because if you can't be faithful doing ministry, and Bible cities, I was raised in a home where my dad was always like, they should never issue a ministerial license to a minister that ain't teaching Bible studies. If he's not making, if she's not making a difference in investing in someone's life outside of that church, they don't belong being a minister. Like that was, mm-hmm. that was the home that I was raised in. And it's probably a little bit in me where I'm like, if we're not investing, we're not making disciples. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, really no need to say why. Well, I need the card that says I'm officially licensed. You don't need the card to license you to go make disciples and be what God's called you to be. Mm. So anyway, that I, I would just say that don't rush the process. Know that if he's called you, he's called you. He's going to get you from where you are to where, where you need to be. But you also have to invest some things and prepare yourself too. Yeah. Yep. I love that. So you mentioned earlier that we have the the guidance of the spirit and the word and our godly leadership. And so what do you say, or what would you say or advise a person who feels that they are called and the calling lines up with the scripture, but they're, they don't feel like, or they're not being supported by either their parents, their young person or their pastor. How do they submit to that leadership in their life while still trying to pursue what they feel like God is calling them to do. Yeah, that was so I, tr- I touched on this a little bit in the book and I tried to, obviously, this is a sensitive situation. So I tried to choose my words very wisely because I believe in spiritual authority. I believe that uh, we should be going to our, our spiritual leaders, parents, pastors. But I also compared in the book to where David was called. He says, I won't touch God's anointed, cuts off the corner of Saul's robe, feels terrible about it. But he also didn't stick around the house when Saul started chucking javelins at his head either. Mm. And so that's a fine line where I'm going to submit to my spiritual authority, because even when the spiritual authority is wrong, there's something to be said for someone like David that says, I will not touch God's anointed. Yeah, but you've been anointed too, and now's the time. God's delivered in your hands. Move forward. You know, you could take Saul's life. He says, I will not touch God's anointed. And so there's there's like such a powerful principle there that we honor the man or the woman of God, even when they're wrong. Mm -hmm. 
But when the javelins start getting chucked at my head, I'm not going to sit and let my family die spiritually either. Right. And so that's where I thank God for the tears of leadership, because if there's something going on to where there's some detriment to a family, then I would suggest having a conversation with a sectional leader or a district leader or just putting yourself under another tier of covering. That does not mean, oh, just go out and remove myself from covering. I'm on my own now. No, there's always a covering. Mm. I'm leery of any pastor who doesn't have a pastor. Mm. I'm concerned with that because I think we never reach a point where now I've grown enough and I'm moved up the ladder enough, so to speak, that I don't need a spiritual authority in my life anymore. So I'm concerned about that. So I, I will say that I have been incredibly blessed, incredibly blessed. I have always had. My parents believed in me. My pastors believed in me. My youth pastor believed in me. The district that I'm in now in, in the state of Missouri, they all have empowered me to serve our district, and they believed in me since I've came. I have been so blessed. But I've dealt with a number of people who have not been that blessed. And I can't, and that, what a difficult position. I empathize with you when you say, I feel called, but I don't feel like I have that support. I recently talked to a pastor, I won't say his name, where he's at, somewhere between the North Pole and the South Pole. <laughs> and he told me the story that he had left the church for a little bit to go minister somewhere else, came back to that church, and really felt God calling him back to this church to serve. The pastor, for whatever reason, said, you're never going to be anything in this church. You're never going to do anything here, so you might as well not even be here. Mm. How painful. And I know this person personally, and so I, I, they, they were honestly just saying, this is, but they stayed. They stayed under that environment because they felt God tell them to go back. Mm. They served. They stayed. And that person did not allow them to serve to their capacity. But guess what? Fast forward, and that man now pastors that church. Mm. And so God did have a plan. So I say all this to say, if you're listening, you're saying, man, I feel called. I just don't feel like anybody believes in me. I don't feel like I have the support system. You have to do what you can do. And that is don't get a bad attitude. Serve with consistency. Keep serving. Keep ministering. Keep, don't, don't just give them and say, well, they, they already told me. Because if, if a pastor would have said to, to, to you or to me, you're never going to be anything here, I think that would be really tough to keep serving and stay there. Yeah. But. God sees it. And at the end of the day, we are empowered and God's going to open the door through, through his spirit. He's going to do it. You, you, look at, you look at David. I mean, he obviously, he probably, his parents didn't see much in him. They bring all the other brothers up and they're like, well, do you have any more? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's just out in the field with the sheep. I mean, that statement alone says God didn't really necessarily believe in David, at least right. not yet. At least not yet. But God says, I'm a, I can find you in the middle of a shepherd field. He says, Paul, I got a calling in your life. I'll, I'll knock you down on the road to Damascus. John is sitting in the island of Patmos all by himself, and he writes the last book of the Bible. Like, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God can find you. God can open the door. But you have to say, I am going to do everything I can possibly do. I'm going to begin to read that. That's what I did when I got serious book out at 17. I ordered the ministerial books with my pastor's blessing, and I started reading the books, even though I wasn't going to get licensed at 17. But I wanted to say, well, if these are the books that they're telling ministers to read, I want to read them right now. So I, because I don't want to start acting like a minister when I get a card. Mm. I want to start carrying myself like a man of God right now. And so what are they telling 
ministers to do? What, 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 what about their lifestyle? I want to read those books. I want to serve in every ministry that I can. And so as a person, I, I said, so I always wanted to get to the point where I can say to God, God, I have done everything in my power that I can do. I need you to do the rest. I never wanted God to open a door and say, I'm calling you into serve in this capacity, in this ministry. And me say, well, I'm just not ready. Mm-hmm. Even when I started pastoring here, some people were like, oh, you should get ordained. You should get, there's, if, if you're not familiar, there's three levels of licensing for your, for your listeners. It's local, general, ordained. And I came here with a general license. And I was like, well, you know, I, mean, I guess I could get ordained. It's just another level of licensing. And, and I thought, well, if it gives more credibility in the community in which I'm trying to minister. And then if God ever calls me into something else, I want to make sure I'm ready. And I was ordained, and a couple years later, they voted me in to be the North American Missions Director of the state. Again, I don't say that to be like arrogant or toot my own horn, but I'm saying how when we say, okay, I'm going to do what I can to prepare myself for whatever you have in store. And now I feel like I'm in the will of God doing something I love with church planting in this state. And even that, it was a preparation that I needed to take to say, okay, I want to prepare myself so that when God opens the next step, I'm, I'm ready to go through it. And so when you're in that local church, prepare yourself, prepare yourself, do whatever you can to be consistent and know God is going to find me when the timing's right. That is such an encouraging word. I know that it's, I I can just feel it as you're speaking, that it's reaching out to somebody who's listening, who needed to hear that today and who will be encouraged to keep moving forward and pursue the call of God and prepare themselves. I appreciate your your words and your wisdom on this so much. I'm loving your book. I haven't I haven't got all the way through it yet, but I, so far it has been fantastic. Um, and so I would encourage anyone who does feel a call. And as we've talked about earlier in the in the episode, we're all called to make disciples. So that would probably mean anybody <laughs> could pick this uh-huh. book up and read it. I was able to find it on Amazon in a Kindle version and get it and download it immediately and start it right away. But if someone wanted to find a print version of your book, where would they find it? Uh, you can get it from Pentecostal Publishing House and you can order it right from then. I mean, I have some copies myself too that I could sign and send out through me, but otherwise you could just get it through Pentecostal Publishing House. Awesome. All right. Well, we will make sure we have a link for that for people to go find it if they would like. and. Before we wrap up, our final question of the show is always the same. Pastor Dornbach, what is a good question you've been asking yourself lately? Well, I think it's, I don't know if it's good, but it's necessary. <laughs> I've been asking myself, I've been asking God and myself, what's, what's my next step here? We're, uh, we're kind of in an interesting phase where we're looking to trade our current facility for land with another church. We're going to be starting construction. This weekend, we're actually, this Saturday, we're going to a two-service format because our church is growing. And so we're having Saturday night and Sunday morning services. Wow. And um, so there's a lot of transition looking at trading, looking at construction, looking at two-service format, the church growing, me saying, okay, are we ready for that first other other full-time employee? If so, who is it? What is it supposed to be? What position? So there's a lot of different things where I'm going what what next what next what's the next step and so um just trying to seek god's face and direction and his wisdom for his spirit to lead and guide me that's where i'm at right now well i believe it i'll be praying with you 
And I know that the Lord is going to do great things through you, your ministry, your church. I appreciate you coming on the show so much. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you today. Thanks for the opportunity. Friends, aren't you leaving this conversation encouraged? One of the things I love about doing this show is taking topics that feel mysterious and out of reach and breaking them down into practical, manageable steps that you can follow as you continue to walk with Jesus. I hope if you felt called to do more for God and His kingdom, that you go into the rest of your week feeling empowered to embrace that call. I highly recommend following up this episode with Pastor Dornbach's book. It's not super long, but it is rich with insight and advice on things like integrity, consecration, hearing the voice of God, and much more. I know it will be a blessing to you in your ministry, whatever that may be. If you enjoyed this episode, if it's blessed and encouraged you, we'd love for you to share it with a friend or post about it on social media. And if you really want to say thank you and show your support, hop over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash good question. If you haven't yet, we'd love to have your company on social media. You can find the podcast on Instagram at good question show. And I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also search for the show page on Facebook, or you can always email us at goodquestionshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the man who always encourages me in my calling to make this show is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.